Today's Your Stories is brought to you by Swap.com. Isn't it crazy how much we pay for new brand name clothes? Why do we buy new kids' clothes if they just outgrow them in a few months? Wouldn't it be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes? There is Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. Stop driving to store after store and sifting through racks. Shop millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com. Shopping at Swap.com helps prevent textile waste from polluting the environment. If something doesn't fit, Enjoy hassle-free returns within 30 days, no questions asked. Podcast listeners can use the code CPC40 for a whopping 40% off till November 30th, 2017, plus free shipping on your first order of over 10 bucks. Check it out at swap.com. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your stories to me has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there. No questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So... Your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey, everybody. I'm Eric Arnaud, and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. Back this week with part two of our episode featuring the theme, Wrong Adventure, as chosen by Chicago hip-hop star and special guest Rich Jones. Rich brought his musical chops and some friends to these episodes, and we put together a pretty special collaboration. This week, you'll hear from storytellers Ariel Atkins, Margot Tameltis, Joel Gutman, and Rich himself, plus music from me, Katie Johnston-Smith, and hey, Rich again. Uh, This was a really fun app to record, and for real, Rich's music is so good. You can check out studio versions of his tracks at soundcloud.com slash richjonesmusic. I'll put a link in the episode notes as well. Uh, So starting with next week's episode, we'll be in December, and that means it's Best of Month. Over the next two weeks, we'll be releasing Best of 2017 podcast episodes that listeners like you help put together. And that's leading up to our giant end-of-year blowout on the main stage at the Beat Kitchen on December 17th, featuring a bunch of those storytellers returning with new pieces. We'll be announcing the lineup later this week on Nerdalogs.com and our Facebook page, so stay tuned for that. Uh, You can also buy tickets now at the Beat Kitchen website. We can't wait to see you all there. All right, let's hear it one more time for Wrong Adventures. How about another song from Rich Jones? Yeah! <laughs> 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 
spoiler alert, there's going to be one more after this, too, so you better better have that energy up. Oh, again, the Unce, $25.99, Target. This is a different one, this isn't the same one. didn't you buy this on, like, how Amazon does that bullshit, like, Black Friday in the spring? Isn't that when you bought this? I think my husband bought it. I, I definitely bought it on some bullshit. Nice buy, man. <laughs> buy. Um, a bit of context before we get into this next one, so... Who here has heard of the, the Chicago Phantom, a.k.a. the Mothman? Yeah! Okay, so I, 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 um, I got in touch with him. We're friends. We've been emailing, and uh, we, we made a record together, and this song is called Mothman. Okay, so just letting you know, he's a really cool guy. He's misunderstood, and uh, someday the truth will come out. But anyways. <laughs> Mothman, 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 Mothman. Seven foot seven, red ass eye. Some say he screeches, some say he's silent. Every eight days is his feeding cycle. Might not let you run if he finds you. Man, if I see him, I would fake that I'm dead. Rob me of my soul, could care about my bread. No use trying to use these legs over the hill, hiding behind a hedge. Not Hollywood, but Hollywood frames him. Never was a franchise of Freddie and Jason. No known affiliations with the Mason. Has no matron, has no patron. For this urban legend, you gotta be patient. Look back up in the sky. What a surprise. A being whose existence may spell our dome. Mothman, 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 Mothman. Mothman, Mothman, living like a Markman. Mothman, Mothman. Mothman, Mothman. Say something, won't you? You mean you no harm? Come closer. Mix and rest for the Mothman. Some tough days coming down, I take them in stride. Been a high tide roller, bought the ticket, take the ride. Be the change I wanna be in this world. Need to find a new way of seeing myself like the others do. Now that's a big no can do. What a done different, what's left to lose. Line gets crossed and it's back to the suit. Oops. That's a big, now what did I do? What a done different, what's left to lose? Line gets crossed and it's curtains too soon. What a surprise. Up in the sky. What a surprise. A being whose existence May spell our doom. Mothman, 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 Mothman. Living like a Markman, Mothman, 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 Mothman. Living like a Markman, Mothman, 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 Mothman. Living like a Markman, Mothman, 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 Mothman. Thank you. Yeah, Mothman! Rich Jones, give it up! Hell yeah! Anybody out there see the Mothman? No, you all sound sad about that. I like that. So, do you do you think he's evil or just misunderstood? 
Misunderstood. Yeah, I, that's the tenor of the room, I think. That's nice. It's important to have empathy for others, whether they're Trump voters or moth people. We need to understand so we can handle. All right, coming next to the stage, uh, this woman has not done the show for a year, but man, every time she's here, it's so good. Uh, she is the, the curator and, and head publisher of Shithole Zine Skidmark, also an incredible poet and performer. Please welcome Ariel Atkins. <laughs> I'm Ariel, and uh, this is the first time I'm going to do this story, and I'm really excited about it. It's also weird, so there you go. Um, this is called Up for Grabs. So, I've used Craigslist for a lot of important moments in my life, like most of the furniture in my first apartment was purchased on Craigslist. I used Craigslist to start my first and last band, I Hate Musicians, and <laughs> I even used it in an attempt to ditch my virginity. I was 19, spiraling, very lonely, very broke, very bored, and very, very lonely. Mm. 19 was a rough year. Uh, at the time, my brother and I were being threatened with eviction from our first apartment. We were surviving on rice and 50-cent packs of noodles salted by our tears. We were full-time art students at Columbia. I was the sole breadwinner working two part-time gigs. And on top of it all, the umpteenth guy had just rejected me because I was... A virgin. Like I said, 19 was rough. Uh, before moving to Chicago to study a field I wouldn't pursue after graduation, I was the most religious, good girl, book nerd you never wanted to know. I loved God and going to church more than any teenager I knew. I was more dedicated to the word than anything. I lived for it. I read my Bible every day at minimum three times. I fasted once a week and once every few months. I fasted for weeks at a time. I was at church on average six days a week. I led the youth praise team, the adult praise team, the church choir, and the dance team. I was the star of my Sunday school class, even though I was often pulled aside for asking controversial questions, but that's another story about faith, frankly. <laughs> no space for that in this story. And everyone knew I was going to grow up, grow up to be the perfect Christian wife to the perfect Christian man. So as such, this sweet punani was locked up tight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was oh so serious about it because up to that point, my experiences with sex hadn't been in any way positive. Here I explicitly detail a decade of molestation by various uncles, cousins, a pastor, and a neighbor or two. I then explain what it's like to be six, seven, or eight and feeling dirty because of the things my body was doing that I couldn't understand and honestly still find difficulty putting into words. Next, I illustrate the discomfort I felt in showing affection to my father as the fear of all men had found home in my skin. Last, I tie in the fact that a firm belief in God seemed my only chance of salvation. So by high school, I was pretty much done with sex and anything in the realm of it forever. So when Sister Glenn asked the 12 of us in the young women's group, Ladies of Chastity, who among us truly planned to stay pure for the Lord and our future husbands, my hand shut up with such force I killed every boner within 10 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward to 19. Good Christian Ariel had traded her favorite friendly expletive mother trucker for the more emotionally satisfying motherfucker. Senior year of high school, I was the president of the drug and alcohol-free club. Sophomore year of college, I was vomiting into my best friend's toilet after four beers and telling him I loved him between gags. I was breaking promises and tasting freedom, and I could do anything I wanted except date. Contrary to every teenage romance I'd ever seen or read growing up, I found out quickly that guys did not like virgins. In fact, they were vigorously averse to it. By the end of my sophomore year, over a dozen men had informed me that they didn't feel comfortable dating a virgin. 
They said things like, I enjoy sex. Or sex with virgins is too awkward. Or my personal favorite, I don't want to ruin sex for you. <laughs> so to nurse my wounded heart and pass the lonely hours, I would dive into Craigslist personals where I could find dozens upon dozens of people who seemed to be even lonelier and sadder than me. This particular night, it wasn't enough. But lo, the thought graced my mind. What if I offered up my virginity fire sale style via Craigslist? And that was as much thought as went into that decision. I quickly wrote a to-the-point post that read, Hi, I'm 19 years old, a single black girl, and sick of being a virgin. Guys reject me all the time because I've never had sex, so I want to lose it this weekend. Message me if you think you can help me out. Pick for pick. Within five minutes of publishing, I received 82 emails. And I know that it was 82 exactly because I wrote it down in my journal for later reflection. <laughs> I screamed for my brother who ran in expecting danger, but instead got an alarming story that at first only I was laughing at. <laughs> After convincing him that it was a simple joke made to ease my boredom, he shook his head and said, okay, what are the messages saying? We clicked over to my AOL account because why would anyone use AOL for anything other than debauchery? And by this point, I had over 150 emails, which later topped out at 206. Yeah. Most of my messages included attachments of poorly shot and awkwardly cropped dick pics. One email in particular, still a favorite inside joke between my brother and I, had in its subject line, in all caps, 10-inch girthy horsecock. <laughs> no explanation. Just a bunch of pictures of this dude's dick posed erect in contrasting locations we assumed to be in and around his house. <laughs> Against the backdrop of the chip blue tile framing in his shower, hovered over his crusted, grease-trapped stove next to an unexplained open window and finally gently resting on the steering wheel of his car. The rest of the emails were lengthy resumes explicitly detailing partner history, but mostly how dedicated they were to making my first experience a night to remember. Calm down, I did not lose my virginity that weekend to a stranger on Craigslist. Instead, my brother and I spent the next few days rereading emails and laughing ourselves into hysterics. We mocked their undeserved confidence, their sad dick pics, their over-boastful and unnecessary resumes. We thought, what kind of losers would respond to a post like that? And how desperate did you have to be? Later in the week, one of my best friends came over and we couldn't wait to show him our comedic genius. What I expected at the end of my presentation was, at the very least, a high five. But when he finally looked at me, his face was crinkled in disgust and worry. After a moment, he asked, Ariel, why would you do this? Don't you respect yourself? I wasn't sure. No one had ever asked me that before. I'd never given anyone reason to ask. Yes, I was a wreck and depressed. Yes, I'd begun publicly and dangerously unraveling mentally. But I had never given anyone reason to question, at least not to my face, whether I respected myself. And the answer was no, I didn't. I wanted so much to be noticed and desired by anyone that I was willing to offer my virginity on Craigslist and shrug it off as a joke when my friend knew for a fact that I was just lost enough at the time to have gone through with it. That was the end of our fun. My brother and I kept it to ourselves to laugh about from time to time, and we still send each other messages that say, 10-inch girthy horsecock in all caps, <laughs> <laughs> when one of us needs a smile. The emails were unfortunately all deleted by AOL when they revamped a few years later. I know. <laughs> we moved on. I lost my virginity the next year to 
a guy after I turned 20, he wasn't a stranger on Craigslist, but to be honest, he wasn't far off. I have more self-respect these days. Sometimes I can even say that I love myself. And I'm not nearly as messy thanks to meds, consistent therapy, and friends that continue to love me even though their dedication keeps me up at night with confusion and doubt. And maybe you'll be glad to know, I spend far less time on Craigslist. Mario Atkins, everybody. That was awesome. Yo, so like, full stop, unsolicited dick pics, not okay, but there's something about taking one by a stove that seems even worse. It just seems like, not only is it like assault, but it's also so unsanitary. Like, dude, but maybe maybe that dude's place should be unsanitary. Maybe he should learn a fucking lesson about his, his manners. That's not how you treat people. Anyway, alright, I'm done. Next speaker! Oh, speaking of people who haven't been here in a while, I think it's been three years for this lady, so let's make sure to give her a big round when she comes up. She is a professor at National Lewis University who teaches first-generation college students, which is also, like, that's just, that's incredible. Uh, also an improviser around town. You can see her at shows like Bring Your Own Diary at the Playground. Please welcome Professor Margot Tameltis. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Um, this is a ghost story, but I promise you all persons and monsters are absolutely real. Um, and even though it is kind of a monstrous story. It still looks like the most romantic time of my life when I look back from here. I had been studying abroad in the south of France, right? Sounds like a dream. Um, and it was, I got to like eat pan au chocolat and drink wine on the steps of Roman ruins, but I also got incredibly homesick and I would most of the time like stay holed up in our host family's house watching this stash of friends in English on VHS that I found just I, somehow to remind me of, of home. Um, although home life back home wasn't anything like friends. Um, and my boyfriend was going to come and visit me when the semester ended and we would do the, the traditional year rail trip through Europe with our backpacks. So he came and met me. Um, we started in Paris and we circled down kind of, we had really didn't really have a plan down through France and into Italy and then on a ferry across to Greece. As we traveled, we basically traded off having sex and getting in fights all over European cities from one place to the next. Um, and by the time we got to Greece, we were mostly sleeping rough, partly because it was sort of romantic to be outdoors at night and also because we were running low on money at the time. Um, so we got to Crete, which is one of the bigger Greek islands. We left our backpacks, all of our things, behind at a car rental place and rented a little moped and spent a week on this little moped together driving around an island. Um, every day we would find a new place to sleep. So it was late one night. We were kind of puttering along, looking for a place to lay our sleeping bags out. Um, we, hadn't, we were kind of upland away from the beach, which is normally where we would have slept. Um, so we went down this little path and it seemed like a promising kind of area, not very many people around in Greece outside of the big cities. It's really just endless stars and a few like olive orchards and almost no one is there. Um, and so we put the bikes down and we were creeping through this olive orchard looking for a nice flat place to put our sleeping bag down. We were walking slowly through the field and all of a sudden I heard the sun. I, We'll never forget this noise. It's very impossible to replicate exactly how horrifying it was, but it was something like this. 
I'm so much <laughs> Michael and I both froze. And then I heard it again. <laughs> and immediately we start running back towards our motorbike. And Michael is taller than me and much faster and running ahead. And I remember being really angry at him because I couldn't keep up. And I was sure he was going to like hop on the bike and, <laughs> and go relieve me there in the, for, in the field with this, this monster. Um, and I hopped on, and we, we zoomed out of there, but you don't really zoom on a moped with two full-grown adults on it. It was more like putter, 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 putter. The whole time I could feel, you know, that feeling of whatever it was, maybe the Mothman of Greece, um, just about to grab me by the back of the neck. You know when your hair is just the back of the neck is like reaching for the thing that's reaching for you, and you almost feel it. But we got away, and we decided to circle back, back down the highway where we had come. We found somewhere to spend the night, and that was that. Um, now, you might be wondering whether it was a real monster there that night. I can assure you there was at least one. He was about six foot five. He had beautiful blue eyes and rosy cheeks, and that kind of baby boy Irish good looks that made the person look innocent no matter what they had done the night before, no matter what they said to you. Um, when we first met, that size made me seem so small. And something about having this boyfriend who was much taller than me and bigger than me made me feel safe. Um, and after a few years together, that same size felt the opposite of safe. But this summer was just the beginning of um, the bad time with us. And um, he might have only grabbed me a little bit too hard, maybe thrown a drink across the table in a restaurant when a, waitress, uh, when a waiter looked at me wrong and he got jealous. Um, it was still many years before he grabbed me and threw me against a wall until I um, had the back of my back cut. And the last night that I spent with him where I was on the floor and he was banging my head into the floor. And that was the last night before I finally got myself out of there. But this was a few years before that. And even though we ran from the monster, I still stayed with him for a lot longer. The next morning, in daylight, everyone knows that monsters cannot survive in daylight, right? You're totally <laughs> safe. So we thought, it's daylight, the sun is shining. We'll go back to where we had been and see what was really there. So we circle back on our moped, we put it down. We start walking through this field and looking around, and there really is nothing that could possibly have made this blood-curdling noise. A goat is tethered to a tree down the road. Now, I've never heard a goat make this noise, but I was willing to use that as an excuse and just think, maybe there's no monster after all. And as we were walking, we saw a church down along the edge of the cliff. And by this point, had kind of forgotten. Everything seemed pretty safe and sunny, and we'd forgotten what we were looking for, and we were just kind of exploring. And as we got closer to the church, we saw beside it what there often is beside a church, a cemetery. And so we were crawling a little bit closer and looking through the fence of the cemetery. In Greece, um, because of the ground, most of the uh, people are buried kind of above ground in these tombs. So we're just kind of checking things out, and then all of a sudden I look through the fence to the side, and there is a marble coffin 
dug out of the ground, the top of it thrust off and empty, and all of this dirt undug. Like this thing has been in the ground and has been undug. There was something in it that's no longer there. And Michael and I took one look at the dug up coffin. We looked at each other. We got back on our bike and we raced out of there. It's really easy to see scary things like that. It's a lot harder to see the real monsters in our lives. Most of the monsters that we know don't sleep in coffins. They sleep right next to us in bed. And when you have this, these kinds of romantic moments, no matter how bad they get later, it's very hard to remind yourself how much more you deserve. So I guess I'll leave you with this, just that um, love doesn't really hurt. And um, if you have any monsters like these in your lives, get well free of them, because I promise you, um, life is a lot better on your own than it is with a monster in your life. That's the end of my story. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you so much. That was amazing and great, and I'm only doing a dumb bit now to bring some levity back so I can introduce our next speaker. Rich, do you think that was the Grease Mothman? Did he travel to the States? You're the expert. What do you think? Oh, man. Different animal. Yeah? Animal? Maybe a cousin? No, not either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mothman's chill as fuck, right? He wouldn't do that shit. <laughs> Mothman is super down. All right, we're going to do two more storytellers tonight and then close with some songs, starting with this gentleman who is an audio engineer who has worked with Rich on some tracks, including one that you heard, you know, about 20 minutes ago. Please welcome Joel Gutman. So uh, before I was an audio engineer, I was trying very hard to be a professional drummer and just play in bands, and uh, I'm born and raised in Miami, Florida, so I've never really experienced winter my whole life. And my very first tour was 2010, I was 20, and we decided to take winter break off from college and go on a tour up the East Coast to New York and back. We don't really prepare for winter, and I think the only advice we were really given was to get snow tires, and we didn't do that either. So we all brought a bunch of hoodies. None of us really had any experience. My mom gave me some snow boots, because she's from New York, and I think it was kind of funny to her that we didn't prepare at all, and she only gave me shoes. She didn't have anything else to keep me warm. So we get to Jacksonville for the first show, and it really starts getting cold, and we have no idea what to do. So we start layering our hoodies and wearing two pairs of pants, and the only one in the band who just doesn't seem to care is my friend Justin. He's the singer, and Justin is, he's a peculiar guy. He's like 6'4", at the time he weighed about 90 pounds, and he kind of looked like a really androgynous version of like Freddie Mercury. That's what, that's what people used to tell him. So we get to play the first show, and everything goes okay. Uh, the guy who's traveling with us, this guy Ruben, gets a completely swollen mouth from the cold and from shotgunning too many beers in a row. And the next morning, his tongue is completely swollen. So we're driving up, and we do two or three more nights. We hit Virginia, and it snows. So all of our shoes get wet. We're all completely soaking wet now, freezing. And we stay at our friend's grandma's house, and it's a really nice night. She dries all of our stuff. We're good to go. And she sends us off and tells us to get some jackets before the next night, and we don't listen again. So we get to D.C., and it's our first night off, and we start walking around sightseeing a little bit. We get to the Washington Monument. It's probably 8 or 9. And now that it's dark, it gets really, really cold. 
and everyone is wearing multiple layers of everything except Justin. And he's wearing a thin pair of Chelsea boots that he was really proud he just bought for the tour and very, very thin dress socks. And we, as soon as we get to the Washington Monument, he starts complaining about his feet. So we just keep moving. We go, keep walking along. We get to the White House, and he can't feel his feet, and now he's in pain. And the only thing we can think of is the extra snow boots in the car. So me and him break off from the group, and this is 2010, so no one really had a smartphone. We didn't have GPS like that. We had printed map quests for the whole tour. So we're walking through the city, and D.C., if you've ever been there, it's all letter streets, but they're not in order. So now, by the time we realize, we're 20 minutes into the walk, and Justin's in screaming pain, and we don't know where we are, and it's 10 p.m. on a Monday night, so no one is around. So I put Justin on my back. Now I got this, like, six-foot-four dude on my back, and we're walking through the city, and no one will even approach us now when we try to ask for directions because we just look crazy. And we walked for about 20 to 30 blocks until we finally found the van. And we get to the van, and we take his shoes off, and his big toes are purple, like dark purple. And we're kind of freaking out. We don't know what to do. And we change his shoes, and he warms up. And I was kind of in a cold sweat for walking 20 blocks with him on my back. So we change. We call our friends, and we tell them where, that we're back at the car. Try to find us. We wait about 20 minutes, and they get there. And as soon as they get there, they look at Justin's toes, and our first thought is like, well, we should go to the hospital. And then our second thought is, fuck that, we're just going to keep going on tour. So we drive to the next city, we get to Philadelphia, everything is fine, his feet warm up again, and the whole tour ends super smooth, except when we hit New York and we got one day to get back to Florida. So we finish a show in New York, it's about 1 a.m., we immediately, we were pretty drunk, but we immediately get in the car, smoke a bowl, and start the drive one night home back to Florida. We get to Florida and everything's okay, and funnily enough, like four years later, we ended up moving to New York and Justin lost a toe in a work accident. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That's the end of the story. Thank you, Joel. It was like Justin was fated to lose that toe and it was going to get him one way or the other. Oh my gosh. I went on tour earlier this summer with this podcast, and I've talked about this before, but um, when I left, my friend Jando, who's in the Nerdalogs, was like, oh, you know, it can snow even in May, and northern california i'm like fuck you no it can't well it didn't but it did snow in montana and i drove through the rocky mountains in freezing rain and the roads were closed about 45 minutes after i passed through them because it was too dangerous to drive on them that was real fun uh, i'm glad i had my dog with me to like hold on to as i was taking mountain passes behind trucks at 35 miles an hour touring is scary ah we have one more storyteller tonight he is the man of the hour the reason that we're doing this show tonight. Uh, brought a lot of the guests, brought his amazing music, and now he's bringing a story, Mr. Rich Jones. So, uh, I came up with tonight's theme, Wrong Adventure, based off of a description that my friend Sharif uses to describe any sort of level of just insanity, whether it be you know casual fuck shit or just insane fuck shit. But, um... Anyways, so my my first, I guess, real experience with one of the more bizarre versions of the wrong adventure, non-maladies, no one you know gets robbed or anything like that, was, uh, actually that's not true in this story, but um, I didn't really start traveling around the country as a musician or otherwise until about four years ago when I had a friend bring me on tour, and it was an amazing experience. I got to see a bunch of the country, made a bunch of friends, and was feeling great gung-ho about it, and then... Out of the blue, he moves to Austin and says, hey, I have a show in Austin. You should come down and perform with me. And I think, yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I'm fucking ready to go. Let's do this. And uh, 
at the time I, I was doing okay in the pocket. You know, I had some bread stacked up, so I was looking at my options. And this is before I found out about a, a great website, Skyscanner.com, which you know <laughs> take care of all your flight needs. But um, it it ended up with me choosing about as poorly as you could consider by booking a thirty-hour Greyhound bus to Austin, Texas. Now the way there is pretty uneventful, save for a weirdo asking me if I got some, some pills or some weed on me, and I'd, I'd reply, I don't. I had some weed, but that was for me, not for him. Um, it was actually more specifically for my host in Austin, because I, w- I was informed, you know, he was putting me up, having never met me, but through friends I should bring some. Have a great time. The show goes swell. Eat a bunch of food. I'm feeling great. I've taken over Austin quotes on that. Um, for, the, for those listening to this later. And uh, it's time to go home. And I'm thinking, okay, 30 hours. I did, I did it fine. Let's get it going. And pretty uneventful from, from Austin to Dallas. I get a little food. And then uh, Dallas to Memphis is the next run. And at this point, half of a federal prison has now gotten on the bus with us, along with a man named James from Detroit, who I will on this ride convince that, uh, at least I think convince that religion and uh, evolution can coexist. Why am I this person? I don't know. But, um, and then two rows behind me, a gentleman from the uh, New England area who very loudly proclaims as soon as he gets in that uh, he has a colostomy badge. So I'm just expecting him to explode at any moment. I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned. So we, we get through and we get to Memphis. It's about midnight, a little bit before midnight. And they have some hot food available, and I'm feeling pretty good. It's like, wow, I, I did it. This is great. The Greyhound hasn't completely fucked me. Man, that, that, was, that was about to change. And about five minutes after we walked through the door, and I'm sitting eating food, and they say, the bus to Chicago has been canceled due to icy road conditions. We'll have more information for you at 8 a.m. And at this point, I, I just have to sleep in the bus terminal. And uh, I, I origami myself around a bag, seeing as other passengers who heard it and immediately sprinted to corners where they could just, you know, kind of fortify themselves around their things and would have take it. And some kind of just, you know, wrapped around. So if anyone tries to take anything, I'll, I'll wake up and, and throttle them. And, um, you know, I, I actually got some pretty decent hours in only to be, you know, woke by the fact that uh, Nelson Mandela has died. It's all over the television. And, and I'm, I'm kind of ignoring it because I'm like sad and all that. And then ultimately what gets me up is uh, that Bono is being interviewed and I just get furious. Why the fuck are they talking to this guy? But, but anyways, um, finally at 10 a.m., I know I'm, I'm like, you know, kind of groggy and, and I'm, I'm floor slept, you know, feeling that energetic and I think it's, it's time to go. So we get on the bus. It takes us four hours to go one hour out. And the bus pulls over in a town called Blytheville, Arkansas. And we're sitting at this gas station and, uh, I'm talking with this this woman who will factor in the next day. Uh, very kind of a church chat style lady. Great snacks, horrible attitude. She's trying to convert me the whole time. And she's kind of my only person to talk to because the other guy is, is kind of some kind of shifty character who just at some point says, fuck it, and lights a port 100 and, and proceeds to just make the bus smell like ports, which is fine. But um, the bus driver finally gets back on and says, talk to the depot. We're getting a motel. You have to pick a roommate. Now, there were two buses, ours and another one, caravan style, going to Chicago. And there was a gentleman I'd spoken to, kind of larger guy, kind of looks like, uh, like Newman, but, you know, with a beard and a little taller and, and, and not nearly as goofy. His name is Ted. And he says, yeah, you, want, you want a room? And I look at the church chat lady, and I'm, I don't want a room with this motherfucker. So I say, yeah, Ted, sounds good. 
Um, so I, I go and, and I get some beer and I, I have a little bit of weed left. You know, I'm thinking I'm just going to make the best of this. We got Pulp Fiction on the television. We got, you know, it's going to be fine. You know, they fed us Pizza Hut, which is whatever. And uh, <laughs> Ted goes to take a shower. And then when he gets out, I go to take a shower. When I come out, he says, hey, trying to, trying to get some girls? I was like, what do you mean? I, I was talking to a couple online. I'm like, oh, like, okay, Cupid or something like this. I think this is pretty tender. This is 2013. And uh, he says, nah, man, back pages, man, prostitutes. And I, I kind of look at him funny. He's like, yeah, $60 a pop. She's got a friend. We could have, we could have a night. And I, I just, I'm getting very uncomfortable very quickly. And I, I, I say to Ted, Ted, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm not going to judge you, but I, I, don't, I don't do that. And Ted kind of gives me a look, and it's not like an evil look or anything. He just kind of, kind of like, he has to tell me something. He says, Rich, got to level with you. I just got out. And I say, what do you mean, like, like jail? He's like, yeah. And I was like, what was, it, what was it over? He's like, a woman. And I'm thinking, well, this is absolutely the last thing that I need to be doing is having a, a sex-filled orgy with, with my new ex-con buddy, Ted. It was, uh, you know, I, it just, it was not going to happen. So I had to think quickly in order to, to get his mind off of things. Like I had enough weed to roll a joint literally this big. For those listening at home, it was about the size of a symbol. And I think to myself, this guy's got no tolerance. I should be able to, you know, to, to, to put him to sleep. You know, this is Operation Tranquilizer in full effect. And uh, Ted, Ted and I end up having a pretty okay night. Catch Me If You Can comes on. We're, we're laughing. And... We then proceed to have an exchange of candy. Now, being that he was just in the joint and also, you know, potentially is, is about, at this point, 20 years older than me, his knowledge of candy is shit. So he's got... And his, his knowledge of snacks is also not to my taste, but you can't say that, because, again, I just got this man to not order hookers to our room, so I'll be polite and we'll accept each other's offering. To the table, I brought the... So I think it was Sour Patch Gusher combo or whatever. So I, I brought him into the 20th century. He proceeds to give me hard candy. Great. And, and then, more specifically, a, 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 a bagged pickle, which he uses the ice bucket lid to chop. And, and I, I can't say no. Again, it's, it's like you know, extremely disrespectful if I, if I don't take his pickle. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I eventually, you know, we're, we're kind of goofing, and then and he, he emerges from the bathroom with a ski mask on, pretending to rob me, and I, I freak out for a hot second. He's like, no, I'm just, just fucking with you. So, so we, we get through the night. <laughs> One eye open, we get on the bus, and it's, it's time to go home, and it's, it's just at this point I'm, I'm just really not feeling great. Um, I thought that might have been the weirdest thing that happened while we were there. I noted while getting on the bus that some of the other dudes from the bus really smelled like weed. And it smelled like good weed. And I was like, damn. And I wish I'd have, I'd have known they had the pack. That would have, been, that would have been cool to hang out with them instead. Well, I, I got to talk to one of those guys in Carbondale. We had 30 minutes to, to eat and, and you know, kind of do whatever. And this is the last year. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, fuck food. I'm going to have the tallest whiskey I've, I've had in a while. And I, I see an Applebee's. And it wasn't a mirage, it was an Applebee's. And I, I run, and, and me and this guy goes with me, and he's like, yeah, man, I didn't have a roommate last night. And I say, oh, man, that's, that's really awesome. Like, what, what did you do? He's like, oh, man, we picked up a white bitch at the gas station, ran a train on her ass. And I was like, excuse me? Like, did you pay for that? He's like, yeah, yeah, we did, 20 bucks a head. I'm like, oh, that's, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, and I robbed a drug dealer, too. Oh. 
And I, apparently, the Shell station next to this to the the Deerfield Inn in Blythe, Arkansas, is the hottest gas station in the world. Um, you know, and this I guess some guy had offered to sell them some some weed, and they said, "Oh, the money's at the hotel," and then they just didn't come back with the money. So this guy had had a great night, and on top of that, he, he decides to throw in, and I had some Purple Monkey ecstasy pills as well. So this guy had had the craziest of adventures at this. Meanwhile, I'm just avoiding, you know, having my asshole ravaged by uh, Ted, you know, which was successful. But it all culminates with uh, kind of an anti-catharsis moment. Hour 60 now. Remember, it's supposed to be 30 hours. We've initially, we've absolutely doubled the time. 60 hours, I'm back at my parents' house in Old Irving Park, and I'm petting the dog, and I'm just thinking, how did I even get back to this place of, of familiarity and warmth and comfort and people not trying to, to do awful things to each other? So considering that that was so early on, and that was the, one of the most wrong adventures I ever had, and I made it, and here we are, I'm very grateful to still be here, and there were many more to be had, and uh, to all your wrong adventures, you know, sometimes you just kind of got to roll with it and hope for the best. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. What's your name, everybody? Give it up, guys. Yeah, oh, we're going to do a song, and then we'll bring you up back up. All right, this is a song off the the guy's the album of the dude who was throwing shade on the bravery earlier. It's the killer song off Battleborn, which was like their reconciliation album after five years of not making music, and it's not it's a pretty bad album. You know, it's no, it's not good, right? There's a lesson about expectations in there, and yet there's one really good song on the album, and it is this song. Every time I'm in Las Vegas, I swear, like every casino plays this song. I think it's like telling you it's time to. They want you to run away, right? They want you to just be one with the casino. And boy, I thought about it. Blonde hair blowing in the summer wind. Blue-eyed girl playing in the sand. I've been on the trail for a little while. But that was the night that she broke down and held my head. Teenage rush, she said.
Killers. Yeah, that might actually be my favorite Killers song, even though it's in a bad album and I don't even own it, and I don't own everything else the Killers have. Well, I haven't bought their new one yet. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's really good. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it, uh, but I, I like it better than Battleborn for sure. Uh, you guys want to hear a song with Rich and some live instrumentation? Yeah! Hell yeah, you do. This is a uh, so the two songs, uh, the one we just did and the one we're about to do. Uh, two of my favorite songs from the last five years, unequivocally, oh, so good. You want to set this guy up, or are we just going to go into it? <laughs> let's, let's go on. Yeah, this, this is off my EP that we just put out about almost a year ago. It's called Vegas, and uh, the song is called Everything. I miss the girl that I love. I miss the world that I love too. All of those diamonds and the rock And all those people that I know It just feels like we're giving up Why I can't rally inside Some wild things been happening We can't get on the same page Girl, you are my She says she's ready for a change Hate to admit, but I agree We just ain't been acting our age What will this fighting achieve? You know we used to be the way I used to know what made you smile I'll see you in a while Girl, you are my everything You are my everything But now you don't feel the same No, you don't feel the same Girl, you are my everything You are my everything But now you don't feel the same No, you don't feel the same I hate the thought of us falling apart But now it feels like there's no other option You had my head and you had my heart But now when you're close I proceed with caution I love the thought of us being in love But now it feels like the love's turning right And you had my head and you had my heart But now when you're close, you're close Girl, you are my everything, you are my everything But now you don't feel the same, no, you don't feel the same Girl, you are my everything, you are my everything But now you don't feel the same, no, you don't feel the same Something, 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 something Thank you very much, Hey, I think that's the show. Thanks everybody for coming. Get home safe.
This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.